Thanks for tuning in to the Beyond Normal podcast, where we highlight minority business owners and founders, and we use this platform to shed light on their entrepreneur journey. Welcome, everybody, to the Beyond Normal podcast. I'm the host, Kenny Groom. I am excited to have Shambria Williams. She is the executive director of The Right Kind of Black Girl, uh, which is a Los Angeles-based nonprofit organization with the mission of uh, cultivating sisterhood uh, by empowering women and girls of African diaspora uh, to lead, innovate, and serve our communities. The Right Kind of Black Girl uh, aims to create social systems free of gender, economic, and racial barriers where women and girls have equitable opportunity to economically advance. Thanks for joining us, Shambria. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. All right. I wanted to kick things off with you, you know, telling folks a little bit about uh, your background um, and how you got to this point where you're now leading this uh, great nonprofit. Sure. Um, So I was basically in social services well before I knew I was in social services. I was like one of those kids who um, who just always stuck up for other people. Uh, So I used to I know everybody know this. We used to have like bagging sessions with our cousins. Right. (laughs) If you like, you know what I mean? (laughs) And um, I had some cousins that were less fortunate than others. And I had this one cousin that would roast you so bad to where you really felt like like you wanted to cry. So he was at one of his roasting sessions with one of my other cousins. And, you know, immediately I used to always be the one to kind of step in and be like, hey, (laughs) stop (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know the advocate shall I say so um I've been in a non-profit sector well all all my life so to speak um I spent eight years in corporate America and that was enough time for me to learn you know what I didn't want to do for the rest of my life um I worked at in accounting as a supervisor and through my experience in corporate America led me to my nonprofit journey. Um, So throughout that time, you know, I just felt like I didn't want to work for anyone else's bottom dollar in their businesses. Um, And throughout that time, I was called, you know, I had to deal with the race, racial situation, um, you know, feeling like a number or a body. Um, Some of those experiences stuck with me um, throughout my career. Um, I can recall one time where two colleagues of mine left a book on my desk. And when I came into office to, I found that, that binder on my desk, it was printed on the back of um, customer receipts. And when I opened it, it was a story about how I was birthed from monkeys on my desk flipping through. And I still keep that book today um, because it's a reminder, you know, some, some people, you know, sheeps and, and wolves clothing, shall I say. Um, but going through that experience led me to go into the nonprofit sector. Like I said, I was working in, um, corporate America for about eight years, decided, you know, that space wasn't for me, given all of the hardships that I had to experience and endure just trying to do my job. Um, and so as a result, in, and for me, I've always 
worked full time, went to school full time. So um, I, throughout my corporate career, I went to, what was it? Uh, Chafee Community College, got my, my associate's degree while working full time um, in social work and political science, then moved to Cal State LA where I still, again, was working full-time, going to school full-time in uh, political science and sociology with an emphasis in law. Um, and, you know, throughout my master's program from USC, um, I obtained my master's in social work. And, and that was the kind of pivotal point. When I finished my bachelor's degree, I decided I wanted to work in, in the nonprofit sector um, and have been within the field for about six or seven years helping others in various ways. So I'm really proud of the work that I've done and excited about the work that is to come. And then working in the nonprofit sector, I thought I would get away from the racism, race, from the black tax, um, from all of those things um, we as black people have to experience. Uh, because I felt like these are, these are people that wanna do good. They wanna help people, right? Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was interesting because when I flipped um, to the nonprofit sector, I was going through my master's program uh, and I was the only black girl um, within that executive level team. Um, and the only, I was black, I was young, I was female, <laughs> um, need I say more, it was a struggle in and of itself. Um, this particular nonprofit had um, a number of women who um, were empty nesters and, you know, basically they kind of raised their children and now they wanted to get back into the workspace. And so even though I was working there for, you know, six years or in the field for six years, um, some of the experiences I had, you know, being in corporate America, being having a seat at the table and not really having a seat, if you know what I mean working, you know, 10 hour days um, while going through a master's program, you know, trying to play politics with population of people that I, at the time, wasn't quite equipped to deal with some of the issues that were happening, because not only was it a racial issue, it was also a class issue. So, you know, I stem from, you know, generational poverty. And uh, those that I was working with in my immediate community um, they stem from a background of wealth. So, you know, sometimes it was like I was speaking Ebonics to them, <laughs> sort of speak. So throughout that time, I was stressed out working in that environment. I essentially was experiencing the black tax, experiencing being shushed in meetings, um, being treated like I didn't have any emotions or things like that. And after experiencing that environment, you know, I was looking around for mentors or someone to give me some sort of guidance on how to handle these type of situations. And I looked around and no one looked like me. So um, just kind of pivoted and decided to create a nonprofit around professional racism and things like that. So that's a little bit of my background in the nonprofit in corporate sector. I appreciate you, uh, you know, sharing your story there, you know, very powerful um, from you, you know, you know, highlighting 
you know, us having those interactions as kids, like you mentioned, like bagging on each other, kind of, we called it ranking as well growing up, just like kind of, you know, having that, that, that camaraderie telling jokes on each other, but then you kind of get to kind of the adult world, right? Where you had that experience where somebody, you know, they left that book on your desk and that kind of stuck with you and you still keep that to this day. I appreciate you sharing, you know, keeping it real because these are some of the stereotypes um, you know, that exists in the workplace. And like you said, that, that professional racism, mm-hmm. um, like, I appreciate you, you know, positioning it that way, because, you know, it, it, it ends up being in a professional and a work environment, right? Some of those things end up being kind of implicit and, and more covert, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those things don't exist, even in a space like the nonprofit space, where, Absolutely. like you say, the, the, the premise should be to help help uplift people right and that's what one would think but it's interesting that you still um deal with that you know in that environment and you know all that what you said right now it kind of took me back um to something that you actually posted a while ago on your page it looks like you posted it in october because you've changed you you've taken all those experiences and i want to read one quote from you this last sentence in this quote um, that that you posted online, you know, where you state, I've made it my life's mission to illuminate the pathway to true unfiltered freedom. And mm-hmm. so, you know, as I, as I think about, you know, what you just said, what really sparked the idea? Like, what was that moment? Like, what was that situation where you said, this is the purpose? Here's why, you know, I need to create um, the right kind of black girl as a nonprofit organization. Mm. So, I mean, it definitely was that experience going through graduate school, working full time, um, you know, not just at grad school, but also, you know, in my workspace. Um, and just a lot of the experiences, code switching being one of them, you know, always having to police myself about how I speak, how I look, how I act you know, who's going to judge me, who's looking to judge me, making sure that I double check all of my emails multiple times before sending them, you know, also just coming to a space where I couldn't really be myself, you know, and the stereotyping, you know, not wanting to be, if I'm uh, boisterous about my beliefs or about how I want things to operate within the organization that, you know, kind of my realm that I oversee, you know, not feeling like, you know, I'm either too loud or too aggressive and and so forth, or if I'm too timid, they walk all over you. Um, And so having those different experiences going into, um, you know, meetings where I'm, I'm with my colleague and we're working on a project together, but I can't even get a word out in those meetings. Or, um, you know, before I make a decision, having to check through or check with five or 10 people, when you come up to work, I mean, and, 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 and that's, I think is the biggest issue, you know, with black, black women, when you look at black women, there's almost in every corporate environment space, there's always at least one within that mid-level, whether it's right below the uh, chief or executive level, the director level, you know, and so essentially, that policing and that stereotyping that you have to do internally, it, it takes a toll. It creates a stressful environment. Um, and, you know, we as Black people, I feel like we code switch so much. When do we ever get the opportunity to take off the mask? When do we ever get the opportunity to just be ourselves? you know? And, and 
not even in a professional environment, but also in a personal environment. You know, some of these things where we have other nationalities or races treating us a certain way and we can't even speak up because if we say something about it, then it's a situation where it's like, oh, well, you're being racist or you need to say it this way or that way. And for me, um, it was a pivotal time because I was just fed up with my environment. I was fed up from code switching. I was fed up for, for having to do essentially like three jobs, including the self-doubt and the self-check-ins and all of those things. And those started to transpire into, you know, how I spoke, you know, the type of self-esteem I had, you know, going into professional spaces. I knew I was qualified. I knew I was educated. I knew I knew all of the answers. And, you know, going into my environment, seeing that, you know, here's some, some other person, let's call them Jill, who, you know, got their job through nepotism, you know, is not qualified, but, and loves the, but, but, but her nose and everything that I'm doing, you know? So it, it was a, a fed up moment for me. And when the spark, I was working another 10 hour day in the office, you know, um, and something clicked in me and said, you know what, I can't be the only person experiencing this. And so in social work, you know, when we talk about the work that we're doing, um, if you see a need, you know, most people will say, well, somebody should start that. And we say, we will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so kind of that's what I did. I said, you know, I'll be the spark to light the match if it gets people free, free from having to do all of these extra things that no one pays us for. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's very relevant to today's society with our white counterparts. We've learned to live in their environment. We've learned to code switch. We've learned to, you know, not be seen and feel, you know, just sit at the table and be quiet, not have opinions about things. And what's happening to now, now I think, in today's society is that we're being more vocal. We're not saying, okay, we're tired of code switching or switching it up, you know, every time you guys come in the room or feeling like um, we have to police ourselves. We're not doing that anymore. And so I think the others are kind of like, well, well, who's this new person? This person was already here. You know, it's just a matter of the fact that we started to actualize our things and, and use our voices to make that change because we do a disservice to ourselves when we have to code switch or try to work 20 times harder just to get, you know, um, half of what another person of a different race has. And mm -hmm. only to find out that it's nothing, the stuff that the issues that they have has nothing to do with. Um, our work experience, our education, our quality of life. And you see this with Black women where we become career students, you know, when they tell us that we are not enough or we're not educated or what have you, we go, we keep going to school and going to school and getting all of these degrees only to turn around and hear once we got these degrees, oh, you're overqualified or um, you're not the right fit or whatever the case may be. So my goal is really to say, you know, get free. We, we are enough. Um, we are dynamic. When you look at us, we contribute a lot to the community and also to um, corporate America, the non-profit sector, all of the sectors. And I truly believe that an investment in Black women is an investment in Black communities. So in other words, we are the juice. We just need to come together and collaborate on some things. Uh, 
to, to make the change that we want to see. So I guess that's a long-winded way to answer your question. <laughs> oh, that was great. I, you know, I, I want you to, you know, use this platform in the best way that you you see it. And from what the the statement that stuck out to me the most, that's the, that resonated the most was, we are the Jews. That's oh. <laughs> quoted everywhere. You guys mark my word. And so, um, you know, you know what you had the you had this this spark moment, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where you had this idea, it clicked, and you wanted to put the time into it. I, I wanted you to touch a little bit on how you started this from a meetup, right? And you got some validation from the conversations that you were having, um, you know, with Af- African American women uh, through that meetup experience, and and kind of. Um, Kind of tell us a little bit around how that has led to the services that you now provide through the nonprofit. Sure. So, um, as Kenny mentioned, we once I got the spark and I said I can't be the only one to experience it. I registered on Meetup, and um, our first Meetup event was October 2018, <laughs> with just um, a few ladies coming together and. Um, giving them more information about my vision and then also hearing their experiences um, about some of the things that they've had to endure just being black and working in corporate America. Um, it reminds me of one, one person um, that was able to share their story. Um, they were a part of human resources department and apparently they were given a number of people to lay off and they knew it was race, racially charged. And when that person spoke up, they lost their job too. And that started with an entire, you know, depressive state. Um, and, you know, she ended up coming to one of the meetings that we have um, under Queens Building Queens to talk about um, owning your space in corporate America. And um, it was a powerful moment because I had um, a therapist on deck and it was a sacred space where people could share their their different experiences we've had situations where you know these women are essentially overworked they're stressed out you know having to deal with bill and bob and find the proper way to respond to bill and bob um and so forth so it's been quite a challenge so once we opened up the space um and we started on meetup i created these events. The first events that we had was Queens Building Queens, where I invited entrepreneurs out to um, essentially give people the game on how to start their, um, go into entrepreneurship, how to own their space, whether or not to code switch. So we started a number of different, you know, events. Um, We, from real estate to, stock markets and investments because wholeheartedly when I thought about, um, you know, the right kind of black girl, immediately I was like unapologetically free and we get black women free. And how do we do that? We do that through living a life of wholeness and economic advancement, um, period. Because I believe at the end of the day, why are black women enduring these type of um, environments is because they financially need that support, you know? Um, And how much greater would we be? It wouldn't be an issue um, to find and and shop black 
if more um, more women came together and got into that entrepreneurship sphere. And not only looking at it from an individualistic approach, but collectively. So the idea behind Queens Building Queens was, hey, we're going to introduce you to entrepreneurship, economic advancement, and we're going to introduce you to a team of women that might have similar interests that hopefully once through consistency and through cultivating relationships that maybe that relationship will turn into uh, a business partner. Maybe it'll turn into just a really good friend that you can connect with when you have um, you're dealing through trials and tribulations and things like that. So um, essentially, you know, really to kind of sum it up, the right kind of black girl was advocating for the betterment of black people through the acquisition of generational wealth, reduction of health disparities, defiance of stereotypes, rebellions against trauma, the traumas of racism. Um, and as we grew, we grew and grew, um, the right kind of black girl warped into this holistic approach to things because um, at the end of the day, there's so many statistics that we're, we're fighting up against. You know, where black women in the US, US are typically paid 61 cents for every dollar paid to white men. Um, the suspension rates are high. I don't even need to touch on the health disparities. Um, when you look at the data and you look at black people and where we're sitting in terms of you know, the entire uh, fit, fitness and nutrition and all of that, heart disease, stroke, cancer, we're all number one on areas where we shouldn't be. Um, when you look at racism and mental health, one in 10 Black people experience racial trauma. People, some, of, some folks don't even understand what racial trauma is or what post-traumatic stress disorder is. And, you know, sometimes when you're not educated about those things, you don't even know what happened, what's happening or what's going on with you, you just feel, you know, depressed or hopeless. Um, and then also just looking at the entrepreneurship sphere, Black women-owned businesses increased by 164%. However, Black women-led startups have only received 0.0006% of the total tech venture capital fundraising. Um, so the right kind of Black role, we wanted to change all of that. We wanted to kind of level the playing field. Um, and inspire greatness through cultivating a sense of community and holistic su support to kind of give you an overview of, you know, how we got started and, and what, what warped into what. Um, and so now we have um, four core, core values, um, which is our freedom, our wholeness, economic advancement, and our tribe. You know, and I, I'm just like to add another one, which is our legacy, because what are we doing this for at the end of the day? Um, so that gives you a little bit of an idea from, you know, meetup up until now. And, I, you know, all those things that you touched on, again, you're dropping gym after gym after gym. You probably could talk like another 10 minutes. I know at least probably even longer <laughs> about just a different like the different things that you're doing with it, because like you, like you, you touched on it a couple of times around the wholeness, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you want, you know, African-American women to be whole, like I'm actually on the website um, for the listeners and, you know, I can go from fit for the culture. Um, there's a section up here as well, like a book collective, you know, that mental space, melanated mamas, like, like these are 
this is really like the true picture. You're really trying to show people here's what the true picture of an African-American woman is. And it's all these things, Absolutely. right? It's not just like you can narrow it down to one or two kind of focal points, yeah. one or two kind of topics right now. Like that idea of like being your whole self, mm-hmm. it's like very vast, right? So you taking yeah. that on, you know, I commend you for that because there's so <laughs> many different ways, right? You can, you can look it. at it right yeah there's so many different ways um but like on the I, I think on the back end was really really unique about what you're doing like you, you put that wholeness first but then on the back end right you say that economic part right that economic mm-hmm. part is like very important and it's something that a lot of times we got to balance like you know a job where, where we have our whole self where we can be our true self versus mm-hmm. the money and right in a lot of instances we feel like for us to get the money we got to like maybe come down a little bit on being our true self. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that's a constant battle. It's not just like you said, it's, that's not just something for the African-American women. That's going to uplift the entire black community. The all minority kind of founders are still juggling that big kind of topic of how do you balance yourself along with, you know, making sure you're padding your pockets the right way because there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Um, so you touched on like the whole component of wholeness. And so really the right kind of black girl is owned, ran, operated by, for, and by black women. So a lot of the women who are running, uh, who are chairs of these different programs are started off as, as members. And so, you know, some of the things that we were doing touched them in such a way that they wanted to do more for the organization. Um, And so we really started thinking like, okay, what are the issues that Black women are experiencing that's keeping us, you know, tied down or weighing us down? And how can we create programs to support them, support them in living a holistic life, you know, bringing your whole self into this space? And we have a number of people's guest speakers who have came on and shared and dropped gems um, to our community and it's just amazing. So I'll tell you a little bit about each one of the programs. Like I said, Queens Building Queens was our first program. We talked about entrepreneurship and that was really started out from, you know, trying to give black women the game, trying to equip them with all of the different things that they need in a professional sphere and an entrepreneurial sphere. And, um, doing that through accountability because we have so many people who say they want to be entrepreneurs but they're not consistent in what they want to do they're not accountable and so the goal was with queens building queens building out through these multiple touch points these multiple interactions building um cultivating relationships amongst black women so that they can economically advance together so when you look at the, the different programs that we offer, it's all about unity and how can we do things together. So Queens Building Queens is focused on professional development and entrepreneurship. Um, Revolutionary Black Girls, uh, which is led by uh, Michelle Andrade, um, amazing sister. And that Revolutionary Black Girls was around you know, advocacy, community advocacy and giving back because, you know, we believe in lifting as we climb. So as we are, you know, black women in that sea level or, you know, executive level, we should always look back um, to provide support. And on top of that, pushing the needle forward. There's so many issues that are 
affecting Black women, um, you know, especially what, what's happened recently with Breonna Taylor and um, the level of homelessness that we have, you know, Black people being, you know, one of the major, um, you know, races that are homeless or that are experiencing health issues and so forth. And so Revolutionary Black Girls was started um, as a way to advocate and to give back through civic engagement, um, to give back through empowering members to do more within the community. Uh, so we have Revolutionary Black Girls, Fit for the Culture um, is amazing. You know, every one of us have fitness goals. And like I said, the health, health disparities within the Black community um, is amazing. It's unbelievable, um, to be perfectly honest. And on top of that, you know, as a Black woman, you know, for me personally, I was working full time and, you know, spending an hour in, in traffic to work, an hour and a half from work. Then when I get home, I'm tired, I'm beat, I don't, don't feel like doing anything else, you know. So Fit for the Culture was started, you know, to really get us moving and get advocating. We have a group of women that do step challenges that put on um, nutritional based events. Um, one event that we have coming up is white people food. <laughs> it's about, you know, um, demystifying the stereotype around healthy eating. You know, I know all y'all black people who are listening, y'all heard somebody done said, oh, that's white people food when they looked at kale or, or something else. So, um, Facts. it's a little bit of tackling those other stereotypes, right? Um, about healthy eating and, and what that looks like and that it can be tasteful, you know? So um, that's fit for the culture. We have divine wellness, which I, I love this program because it's all about mental health. It's about socio-emotional support, um, healers, yoga, yogis, um, and also just understanding the history of how did we even get there? So right now we're reading um, post-traumatic slave syndrome and processing that book in doses, you know, to really understand the structural things that are at place. Um, but we take it from a herbologist level all the way to, you know, just mental wellness. Um, and we have a dynamic group of women there, one being um, a clinical therapist who can support through various workshops, projects that we do. Um, Inner Beauty. Inner Beauty was started um, about Black women um, and our, I guess, um, the fact that people want us to ascribe, uh, subscribe to whiteness or white uh, westernized beauty standard. Um, and so what we've said with that is like, we need to heal all of those, those issues, us saying that, you know, people are depicting Black women either against each other, in a sense, with the dark skin versus light skin, or, um, you know, that we aren't beautiful. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we just know facts is facts. That's just not true. <laughs> so um, inner beauty was basically started to um, encourage you know, self-esteem, encourage self-confidence inside and out. That's why we call it inner beauty. Um, I heard, um, beauty I've, been, 
Can you hear me, Sharon Bree? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, one thing I like, like on the beauty piece, uh, one topic that, um, you know, just it seems like this is a topic that people are having more and more conversations about in 2020 is the, the, the idea or the, the subject matter of hair. Like just the idea of you being able oh, to wear wow. your hair, yeah. right? People not, um, it should be kind of um, obvious not to touch like specifically a black woman's hair. Um, I'm not sure why people would touch mm -hmm. a black woman's hair because I know I would not because <laughs> I know better. And but just the, like I've heard exactly. like, crazy stories about somebody just like, oh, you got a ponytail. Oh, let me touch it. And it's like, just oh, like, the, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't because it's the novelty of black women. They, yeah. they know that we are amazing. We're beautiful. We're dynamic. And, you know, sometimes they, they treat us like a novelty, like we're not human. And, oh, let me pet you. <laughs> you know, I'm not an animal, <laughs> you know? So I think in my hair grows out of my head, you know, it looked just like yours in some, some way, shape or form. So, yeah. And they, it's crazy that they had to pass the crown act, you know, um, saying that you can't discriminate based off of hair, like literally. So I mean, it's, it's crazy. And right now with Black women having a huge spotlight on us with Kamala Harris being VP, you know, um, Meg the Stallion, Cardi B was what, you know, at the end of the day, we're becoming, we were already Black girl magic. The world is just kind of catching up to that. I, love, yeah. I, I like everything. I like everything that you just said. And, um, you know, as you built out um you, you know you, what well, you're getting incredible support just around the ni different initiatives um the different you know services that you're providing within the the right kind of black girl um i want to ask you a, a question just around in terms of running the business right running this um this is a nonprofit, but it still is run as a business you know mm -hmm. what's something that you've learned throughout the process uh that you wish maybe you would have learned you know earlier on in the process that maybe you know, would have propelled uh, the right kind of black girl a little bit quicker or would have just maybe given you guys a little bit more momentum? Yeah. Um, so for me, I would have to say having patience, first and foremost, you know, working with black women and um, dealing with all of the emotional baggage that can come with that um, from a professional and a business standpoint is a lot. Um, so for me, Running a nonprofit sector, I would say if I had some mentorship, someone that could give me the game of here's the direction that you want to point um, your nonprofit in, you know, us figuring out this curriculum, figuring out the programs and things like that, that took a lot of time, a lot of dedication and things like that. And we're just now getting to that part. But um, for me, I think just someone to walk me through the process, you know, as a, like I said, I stem from generational poverty. So not a lot of people in my, my immediate family or in my family in general own businesses. I didn't see any entrepreneurs in my growing up and, um, and none that were not, not to mention any that were sex successful. So, um, seeing that just as an example would have been great to have 
um, most importantly. And also from a nonprofit standpoint, looking at how to encourage people to give, because we know that, you know, Black people, we've been able to do a lot with a little. Um, but, you know, whether or not we give and, and how we give, it, it can be a challenge to figure that out and to um, allow people to be able to process those things for themselves and how they want to show up for the organization. Because like I said, we encourage um, a community approach and um, learning the ins and outs of that community pro approach um, on the various different levels of running a nonprofit organization, I think could have been helpful to learn ahead of time. Um, you know, so just the process, looking at what, it, what are the other avenues that you can use because as nonprofits, we always have to do more with less um, so how to maximize your resources and minimize your cost. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. And you, you've done a lot, like you said, in this nonprofit space, you, you got to maybe stretch your dollar a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, I think you've done, you, you've done great in terms of building out the team. You really have a full team right now. That's really, um, you know, with your leadership. I know you got a couple um, board members as well. Um, you built out quite the network. Um, and so that's incredible to see, like you said, in this kind of non nonprofit space, you think, all right, it's got to be really, really bootstrapped. You can't mm -hmm. do a lot, right? You got to focus on maybe one thing, but you, you know, just leveraging your network, um, what you built out um, over the last two years, because you said, what, 2018? Um, yeah. You know, that, did you say October? Yep. So mm -hmm. it's been, been what, a little over um, two years. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I go down the list of people like I, I was just looking at your your, your team page uh, right before uh, our conversation. And you really got some some incredibly talented, brilliant um, ladies. Like you said, it's all run by black females, um, you know, working together, figuring this thing out. Yeah. And I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't um, thank the team of women that are behind me. Um, I don't know if I could have done this work without them. Sometimes, you know, in that entrepreneurship sphere, you oftentimes, you know, feel like giving up. You feel like, oh, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm over this. I just want to crawl in my bed sometimes. Um, but it's the women in the work that they, they're doing that pushes me to do more. That, um, and also knowing that there is a need for this space. You know, it's a need to have a brave space for Black women to let their hair down and be able to talk um, and have intimate discussions and share intimate things that are going on within their family that they have to be responsible for. And um, in that space, we have a, a virtual group chat. And, and so a lot of conversations go on and people share really intimate things about themselves and their families. And there's validation in knowing it, it's, it's, it feels good in the validation and knowing that you're not alone in this experience, that you, know, you have other Black women that are experiencing the same things that are having to be the backbone in spite of the backhand. So are having to support their family, having to work a full-time job, you know, having to um, experience racial oppression within a workspace and still 
you know, at the end of the day, have a smile on their faces. You know, it just shows the strength of Black women and what we can do and how dynamic we really are. And uh, with the right kind of Black girl, we want to illuminate our beauty, illuminate those discussions and bring them to the forefront um, for everybody to have an experience. And I also think that, you know, Black men, you know, where are they in this conversation? Because as Black women, you really, um, we can't do everything. We, we need support, just like, you know, with any nonprofit organization, we need support, we're doing the work. Um, and, and that comes, that goes from the entire community. And I appreciate you. Um, I think that's the perfect segue. Because uh, like you said, this year in 2020, right, there's a lot going on uh, from COVID, um, the, the conversations around social injustice, you know, that that impact um, the African-American community um, more so than other groups. And then now we've kind of we've kind of um, it feels like we've come to the conclusion or close to the end of the discussion around, you know, the, po the political um, kind of initiatives that need to go on moving forward with our with our new presidency. Um, so you just touched on that a little bit, but, you know, how have these, um, you know, how have the conversations uh, with, with the African-American women gone uh, throughout 2020? And then I think you touched on it um, around, you know, that partnership with African-American men you know, what are you looking forward to, you know, moving forward in terms of um, the dialogue and maybe the partnership, hopefully, that you you, you hope to see between African-American men and women? Hmm. So um, I think first you asked me about the conversations that Black women have been having, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so... I mean, this election has been, been a whirlwind. <laughs> it's been a stressful situation for a lot of us. And on top of that, you know, to have that type of election going on where we're in the midst of a revolution for Black people um, as it relates to police brutality and things like that. So it's been an emotional conversation. It's been people sharing their thoughts and feelings about you know, them as mothers having Black sons and the conversations that need to go um, go out. And um, simultaneously about these allies that have came into um, the advocacy for Black Lives Matter and, and things like that. And whether or not they're actually advocates or are they, you know, just joining in because they have nothing else to do and they're locked down on COVID. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, what's that situation, you know, like, I think that there's a lot of conversations that we we've had throughout this process has been ups and downs and, you know, us uh, with Kamala Harris, you know, first putting in her ticket and her, um, background on, uh, as a, uh, forgot, I'm blanking the D DA within California. Um, oh, defense attorney? Yes. And whether or not people can forgive her for that, because, you know, some of her work that she um, did during that time attributed to um, the prison boom that we have today. So, I mean, we, we've talked about that. We've talked about the election. We've talked about Trump. 
and we've actually, you know, um, through Revolutionary Black Girls, we did a 30 minute segment on all of the props, you know, so we met for 30 minutes and we all talked about the props, the pros and cons, learned it and so forth. And so at the end of all of the, the, the events we did, you know, people were prepared and they were more educated about the different propositions that were on our ballots. And so um, not only are we having conversations, but we're having discussions around what can be done, you know? And, um, and so it's an amazing time to be a part of the Right Kind of Black World. On Friday, we're doing this event called Lift As We Climb Seeds to Our Sisters. Um, because to provide toiletry bags to um, homeless women, destitute women within Los Angeles. Um, and so that's an amazing thing. So like I said, we've been doing not only having conversations, but also trying to figure out solutions to some of these problems that's within our capacity. And then as far as the conversation with amongst Black men and, and Black women, whoo, I just have to like breathe that out. Please breathe it out, but <laughs> I want to hear it all. Because that's just like a whole situation. Um, you know, and I actually am putting on an event on December 11th, uh, kind of a round table talk for between Black men and Black women. So I'm really excited about that event. Um, but essentially, Black women are feeling like, and I don't want to speak for all, but the women that I've experienced, you know, are in my organization, the sentiment that I get um, is that Black men are missing from the conversations. They are missing from the advocacy. They are missing from the unity, um, you know, and I think that um, it's putting the burden on, on Black women to be everything to everybody um, because we don't have equal counterparts um, that are present and that are willing to to go in, um, that are willing to partner with Black women to move the needle forward, to advocate for black the Black community and Black people um, and things like that. So I feel like the sentiment is, you know, they're missing from the conversation. Uh, they may be tied with other things um, as it relates to external relationships outside of the black race or, or what they have to go on um, and do. And, and, and we understand that, you know, black men, you guys have the world on your shoulders just like black women do. Um, but the one thing about black women is we, we can't abandon our community um, because our kids are in that community. You know, we can't, it's not the same as far as the attachment goes between Black men and Black women. And, you know, I also want to give props and out to those brothers that are in the community and are doing the work. Shout out to y'all because we know that those, those do exist. But, you know, I'm from California and right now, uh, from what my observations are, <laughs> Black men are missing from the conversations. They're missing from the community. Um, they're missing from the advocacy and you know at the end of the day I think black women just want to know where are you guys at like we need y'all <laughs> you know like what's going on so I think that's a little bit of the sentiment that that I get yeah you gotta keep it real hey it's the only way to be you gotta keep it real and I think um you know I was looking at it uh you know just in terms of like 
kind of to back up what you uh, were saying somewhat in terms of, I, I think there's, you know, there, there should be skin in the game right now from, for African-American males and females. Mm -hmm. um, and I looked at some of the numbers around kind of wage gaps and things like that. Um, we are really fighting for a lot of the same things in a lot of these situations uh, when it comes to increased pay, when it comes to that parity uh, with, with those who we deem as our peers, mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in other groups. So, um, you know, that feedback, you know, it may not necessarily be what we want to hear, um, but I think you have um, you have a good um, you 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 have a good focus group with the right kind of black girl because you know uh, when I ask you that question, how are you know African American females feeling about that partnership with African American males? You really do speak for a group of a a, a strong body um, of African American females, so. Um, I, I know you said, hey, in California, that's something that you feel like is in place. Um, but I think for, you know, for this conversation here, um, it's good that we hear that as African-American males, it doesn't necessarily mean to your point, like you say, like we're not doing anything, but maybe there's just different ways to make sure we come together at, from a community perspective. Because you mentioned, hey, we may be having some of those conversations uh, with uh, different groups outside of our community but how do we make our community whole? Um, that's going to be, that probably needs to be, that does need to be a focus for it, for us all moving forward, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, you know, Black men play a central role and part in this um, moment, in this time, in this sphere. And we, we need to do it collectively, you know? I think that, you know, there's a, it's just, to me, it just feels like, um, black women are doing more than what black men are doing or what we see and for California like I said there's a lot a huge when we look at the dating scene there's amazing dynamic black women who are educated who are um good people who are just doing their their thing uh as it relates to all fronts like a holistic approach to like living life they're amazing and yet there's so many of them that are single, um, so many of them that, you know, are, are lacking even male friendship, you know, just depend, just being a friend and, and reaching out and connecting. So I think that there's um, in different fronts, we're missing black men from the conversation. And I think that they play a critical role in, the, in uplifting us and getting us to where we need to be because you know, as women, we just can't, we can't take on everything. It's kind of like uh, Erica Badu's song, Bag Lady. You know, you gonna hurt your back. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's where you get a lot of burnout for Black women. You get a lot of, uh, you know, mental health breakdowns. Like all of those different things is because we're carrying so many different um, layers of stuff. Whereas, you know, Black men, you know, they don't have to worry about having a kid attached to them. So, you know, it, per se, but, you know, I just think that they just need to be more present and acknowledged and appreciate Black women for the work that we've done, the work that we've done politically within the community, from a community perspective, and just how we've tried to move, this, um, move the needle forward in what we're doing. No, I appreciate, um, again, I appreciate all that. 
Um, it needs to be said for whatever it's worth, right? Um, and I think, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not an easy conversation. I think we talked about some of this stuff before, right? We were like, you know, like how do you even approach that topic? Um, and this is the kind of topic where you probably just, you just say it, you know, let people think about it, it. it. Yeah, just drop it, drop the mic afterwards. Yeah. Let people sit mm -hmm. on it, let people think. Um, and I think we're in a time right now where, you know, everybody um, who wants to make a change, right, they're all about that action. Um, mm -hmm. I think in COVID, it's just been amazing seeing, you know, individuals like yourself, like you you have your background, you, you could just work your nine to five, you could, you would have been okay, but you're taking that some, you know, you're taking that experience. And during a year like COVID, where it's so easy to just, just, you know, stay at home, sit on the couch, like do the bare minimum. Right. You know, you're out there, you're, you're doing extra, you're having extra conversations, you're building out extra products, you're building out extra services. Um, and I think just right now, you know, people are going to take gambles on themselves is what I like to say. Um, you, and you can't lose taking a gamble on yourself. So um, you putting that challenge out there, you know, there's some young fellas out there. I know if you're listening um, live or to the, you know, recorded um, episode, um, step up to the challenge. I know you guys got it in you. Um, put a ring on it if you can. Um, I got that in there as well. I just want to say that uh, that's that's big, too. Um, you know, yeah. I myself can speak from that experience. That, that that's big. See, and that. not enough black men speak about that experience. That's why I'm enjoying the, you know, the hashtag black love and, and all mm -hmm. of those different things because like I said, it's it's rough in these streets. Oh, that's facts. I appreciate you sharing it. Hey guys, uh, I already put it if you guys can't see it, you know. <laughs> um so you know, you share so much, right, about what you're doing, um, the whole journey that you've been on. Um, again, like, it's incredible. Um, you. you know, a lot of the uh, the business owners um, that I con that I um, have on um, as guests, uh, one thing I notice when I go to Google, I tell everybody this, when I go to Google and I type in the name of your um, your business, whether it's not nonprofit for profit business, and I see you're that whole first page, um, that is a clear indicator that you've been grinding. And I like to say the right kind of black girl is essentially that entire first page. Um, and you can kind of see the journey where you you try different ways of funding. You try meetup. You try different things um, to, you know, just get the brand out there, keep that communication going. Yeah. Um, and so you sharing your story right now. Um, again, you're touching on topics that um, are not easy topics to have. Um, mm -hmm. but, but again, that, that, that initial idea and that you touched on this really throughout the conversation, but the idea of wholeness, um, that's something that we really all can, can take something from as you're, as you are, um, you know, building out your platform, looking forward to seeing the right kind of black girl, uh, you know, moving forward, seeing all the great things that you're going to be doing. Um, in closing, though, I want to pass it back to you, Shambria. Um, you know, let everybody know how they can reach out. Um, they, they, they can um, interact with the brand. Is there anything they should be looking for coming up um, as we head into 2021? Absolutely. Um, so, gosh, where do I start? So in order to connect with us, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Right Kind of Black Girl. Um, our website is www.therightkindofblackgirl.org. We have a 
number of events like I did. We do several events um, a month. We have a step challenge going on where at the end, we're going to be doing the turkey trot. Um, and it was essentially, you know, focused on, you know, getting people moving, especially with COVID. It's easy to sit and lay around in the house. We can't afford to step, sit back and, and do all of that. We need to keep moving, need to keep going. So we're doing that. We're doing an event on um, this Saturday called Lift As We Climb Seas to Our Sisters um, to provide toiletries to um, destitute women in downtown LA, specifically in Skid Row. So if you wanna donate, um, you can do so on our website or you can cash app or Venmo at the right kind of black girl. Um, actually, I'm sorry, at TRKBG, which is the abbreviations for the right kind of black girl. Um, I'm also doing an event December 11th um, for, uh, it's called King's Highlight, um, Black Men Speak Up, which is a panel discussion to talk about what we, um, to, to talk about and bring Black women and men to the table to discuss um, unity, to discuss our community, to discuss entrepreneurship, and really to start the this discussion of you know, how do we advocate together? How do we unify um, to collectively push for um, economic advancement? So um, that's a number of things. Also on the website, you can order a t-shirt. Uh, we have face masks that are coming out um, and all of the profits from those uh, sales go directly to the nonprofit to support the programs that we're putting on. Um, so there's a number of ways that you guys can keep up. We do have a blog that we did. And today we posted our first blog post. It's posted mm -hmm. on Instagram. It's posted on um, Facebook. So check that out, comment. Um, yeah. And if there's other ways that you want to get involved with the right kind of black girl, you can contact us through our website or through our social media um, handles. Thanks for that, Sharon Bria. Uh, again, thanks for, you know, hopping on, sharing your story. You're doing amazing work. Uh, all those events, all those engagements, all those activities that Sharon Bria just mentioned, there's plenty of ways for you to be involved. Like she said, if you don't, if you see something or you look at that calendar and you see something that's missing, uh, I know Sharon Bria is the type of person where if you let her know, like it's really going to be a discussion. She'll figure out, you know, like viable, right, and how to do it. Um, Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so again, um, make sure I want I want the listeners to make sure that they reach out, uh, interact with the brand, uh, buy some swag, buy some merch. Let's make sure that we support uh, the right kind of black girl because uh, it's the right message right now. Um, thanks, uh, everybody, for tuning in to the Beyond Normal podcast. Come back again. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks for tuning in to the Beyond Normal podcast. We can be streamed across all major streaming platforms in addition to YouTube. Come back again.